doing attendance, go ahead and open your Bibles to Philippians 4 to start off with. We're going to be starting there and then we'll wind up in Hebrews 4 shortly following. So if you want to bookmark or whatever, just so you're prepared. Correct. For crying out loud, come on. All right. So, since uh, especially we got a number of folks in here tonight who were not with us on Sunday, so a little bit of recap um, to bring you up to speed with where we're at. So, starting off, um, covered that uh, with all the transition from GBC and newer students that the basis of this lesson is to help you understand and establish a, a baseline of how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, etc. So that was really the, the, uh, the point of this lesson, hence the title of it. And uh, also cover the importance of praying for wisdom, strength, and discernment regarding evangelizing and recognizing open doors sharing your testimony or the gospel or some sort of spiritual application. And uh, you know, I highlighted a co-worker's story of mine um, you know, about him sharing the gospel in a situation that wasn't the best timing. Um, but you know, after teaching that, I got to thinking about that. Despite that, you know, the gentleman from our church was witnessing in a you know rather dark setting where there's a lot of drinking and whatnot going on and i don't know how long ago that was but the fact that my coworker still remembers that and still shared it with me i, I that really kind of struck me i was like you know even if it was bad he still remembers that and it brought it, it brought uh, to recollection in my mind was romans 120 and that that verse ends with that all are without excuse. So he's aware. He's aware of the truth. And in my conversations with that coworker, he supposedly knows Christ personally, but there's absolutely no fruit whatsoever in any of the conversations that I've had with him. And his behaviors don't don't model Christ, you know, Christ at all. So what one says, what one knows in their heart and their outward actions are can be very different but at the end of the day if you know if you truly are an ambassador for Christ you're not going to behave in certain manners and you're not going to behave like the world if you if you truly know Christ because like I said when I got saved I couldn't act the way that I was acting I was convicted about that kind of stuff you just can't you can't do that but nonetheless be praying about those situations when you have opportunities to evangelize or share something that's a spiritual application in the moment of a conversation you're having with somebody. You need to pray about that. Pray about it ahead of time. You pray about open doors when you wake up in the morning. I'm telling you, you pray and ask God for open doors. Like if you don't pray for it, and you do be like, and you used to ask God, will you put somebody in front of me to share to share something of truth or to share the gospel? I'm telling you, He will answer that prayer pretty much the same day. I mean, I, I, that happens often if I do pray that prayer. But the Bible also tells us that the harvest is great and the laborers are few. So if that's, if that's the truth, then God's going to open that door almost every single time. And be ready. And the Bible also says for us to be ready in season, out of season, to give an answer. So you know, it's good stuff to pray for. It's nothing to be afraid of. 
you know, at some point we'll probably be doing a lesson on evangelizing. We'll do mock, you know, some of you that have already been here will do mock uh, situations and that, and those are usually a lot of fun to do. So that's for another time. But in the meantime, so um, also covered on, on our uh, how ministry um, together and us as a ministry here that corporate prayer has gotten pushed further. It's gotten pushed further to the back of the bus. And now it's more or less one-offs in the group meeting, a few requests here and there. And uh, that ultimately with Walker's situation, what happened, that's kind of reignited uh, a vigor with us as leaders and me personally that we need to start incorporating prayer back into this ministry at the corporate level on a regular basis. And also encourage you guys to be praying as you know peer groups as well. So we need to definitely be cultivating that. Um, that's how I took his situation of what was shown to me personally, aside from whatever God's showing them as a family and him personally. So I also covered um, the importance of edifying and having concerns about one another uh, within this ministry instead of cutting each other down or you know snickering or gossiping or anything like that i can't stand that i honestly can't stand gossip that drives me out of my mind and that's what goes on where i work at right now and it causes so much drama and i get so sick of it and thankfully i don't think it's too bad in here right now to be honest i don't think so as far as I know um, which to me that is actually a really good stepping point for being able to cultivate and develop you guys deeper spiritually when you have when you guys aren't so concerned about what you're doing and what you're doing or what she's doing that you're not doing it really helps us mm -hmm. and it really leaves an open book for being able to get this ministry going and I to be quite honest I really feel like we are we're kind of at that point right now with you guys so that's exciting for us as as leaders so that's another main point to be praying about as well are you just playing with your hands or did you have something yeah you yeah you're like you're you got your arm there and you're just you're fidgeting okay well I'll, I'll ignore you then it's hard to ignore you Andy I, I agree with you on what you just said and even the snickering I hate when people make fun of each other it drives, it does, it drives me insane. I just You shouldn't be putting anybody down, you guys. That's my job. <laughs> I, <laughs> so I knew that was coming. Let me do that. It's more to put down and build you up. You're not to do that to one another. Go ahead, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> now I love that we have our own resident police officer in here. That's great. So again, yeah, I, I really think that, like I said, I really don't think we have that problem in here by and large. So it's it's encouraging to us, and really this helps to to be mindful of our heart attitudes toward one another and to be praying for one another. So and also it covered that Christ's desire to have a personal relationship with us, and that beginning catalyst is prayer, and that is the second most important communication piece next to reading our Bibles and waiting and listening from our Lord. So we also covered prayer its definition and how it's direct communication with God, it's evidence of knowing God personally and that we communicate adorations, confessions, thankfulness, and requests, as well as expositing the verses that were associated with all of those communication pieces. And we cover that we can just talk to Him like a friend sitting across the table from us in whatever setting that you want. And it's really that simple. So we covered our need 
uh, for God out of Revelation 3, verse 17. And especially uh, now we need to be, you know, praying for about our, our selfish carnal flesh that, uh, you know, for the instant gratification that we have in, in, in today's culture, that we're over-teched been tech technology the, the culture that we live in we are truly rich and in need of nothing so we covered all of that in this Laodicean time and us being Laodiceans it's it's tough I struggle with that I love technology I do I love there's I, I tell you I enjoy taking a dead computer somebody says oh did your parents bring theirs by the way your mom's supposed to bring hers tonight so if you see them let me know anyway <laughs> totally derailed me so so we covered we covered our need for God, and uh, this layout of C and age, and yeah, I just the technology stuff. I love taking dead stuff and fixing it, make it work again. If somebody says, "Oh, I've got a computer; it's not working; it's not doing this or that," or I'm like, "Bring it on!" I, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy tearing them apart and putting them back together. They are; they're just really that. It's that's enjoyable to me. But you know, does God get the glory in that from me tearing that stuff apart and fixing it? No, because I waste my time on a lot of that stuff. I mean. It's good side money. I mean, it is a side business of mine, and I, you know, it's it's provided for my family. So there is that. So I guess it depends on you know what aspect that you're looking at it in. If you're using that technology for adverse and sinful things, then yeah, you've that's a whole nother discussion, and we got into that a little bit. So where we left off at is a prayer involves having a humble heart attitude of a child with a childlike faith and that is the mindset that is the most teachable impressionable how children need their parents and we as believers need our Heavenly Father just as so referencing uh, from ver, uh, from ver, uh, oh my goodness blah. referencing the verses from Matthew 18 and Mark 10 and to recap those verse references involve the disciples in prideful moments in Matthew they're discussing arguing who the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is and Jesus humbles them showing and explaining the mindset of a, of a, of a child from three to six hence all those characteristics I just mentioned and the other in Mark is where the disciples forbid the parents from bringing their children to see Jesus he again has to explain that the kingdom of God is such as these not meaning that we're all physically you know that we are that we're all physically children like we're little children like the the, the kingdom of God is made up of like we're gonna be little kids it's not what he's talking about in this he's meaning that that we are we are to be like little children. We're to be anxious. We're to be excitable. We're to be loving. We're to be humble, teachable, adoring, and sincere, especially above all those things in our heart attitudes. So that's what's going on in these, in these verses here. So I spent a lot of time on that, but I want to be clear as well. The heart attitude is not explaining and teaching about this. It's not some charismatic preparation that you have to go through every time as some sort of checklist before you pray, okay? And I think probably everybody in here understands that. I mean, if you're just going to pray, you're just going to pray. You're going to talk to God, okay? But what I'm trying to teach here out of this is that this lesson is simply the guidelines. It's some guidelines to help you understand prayer, how to pray, how to pray a little more efficiently, and, and the emotional and the practical approach to it, since you know there's newer folks that are in here and freshmen, that's really the purpose of the study. But it's not some sort of check. Well, I have to oh, before I pray, I gotta I gotta get into this. 
state, like you're meditating for yoga or something. It's not, it's not anything like that. So I, I hope that that's clear and that I haven't made it out to be like there's some sort of preparation that you have to do. This is, this is your heart attitude and your mindset. It's something that should just be constant with you as you mature and you further in your walk with Christ. You're putting on more of the spirit and less of the flesh. I mean, there's times I wake up in the morning, and as soon as I wake up, man, my brain just starts going. I start thinking about all the things that I have going, big things, small things. And I just, I mean, I'm not even awake a minute and a half, and I'm already overwhelmed before my feet even hit the floor. And I honestly stop, and I pray. Right then and there, I just stop. I'm like, I got to give this to you. I have to because I cannot get through this day. I can't get through the next five minutes without casting my cares upon the Lord. I just can't. And the older that you guys get, the more responsibilities that you guys are going to be assuming, you guys that are seniors and that are gonna be going to college here or whatever your ventures are gonna take you in the next couple of years, you're gonna find out. Those pressures are gonna come on you like a vice. It's just slowly tightening up. So what are you gonna do about it? You're gonna to turn to the world or are you going to turn to the Lord? Then it all starts with prayer. You got to be kidding me. Did your tech die? No, it didn't die. It just got like I tapped the screen funny and it totally lost the page where I was at. <clears throat> so. If it died, you'd be happy because you like taking it apart. Not really. Not this one. This one you gotta you gotta heat it up because all the glue and stuff it's rather involved and you gotta try not to crack the glass. After that, if you crack the glass, it's game over. You may as well buy a new one. Okay, so the result of this humbled down heart, humbled down heart attitude, and this is where we're starting to get into, into, your, into your Bible, is a childlike response. There's nothing left of you but to pray it all out to him. And what does he do? And this is in verse 16. This is in Matthew. I had you guys go to Philippians, so don't sweat it. The last verse in Matthew, maybe it was in Mark, either way. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. The results are blessings. The blessings are the answered prayers. Okay? So this takes us to the verse that is in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And again, this is the result, and that is verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 7 is the icing on the cake with all of this stuff. It is where you settle your heart at, is in verse 7, with all of these things. Okay? So, if you've been saved for any length of time, or even upon getting saved, or any other answered prayers, when you talk about peace that passeth understanding, passeth is that present tense verb, not has or will pass, it's present tense. We serve a living God. So it's right now. It's in this instant. Whatever that, you know, not saying that your all your prayers are answered instant. Answer, that's not what I'm saying. It's passeth meaning it's just present tense. You might have a prayer answered in two days, two months, two years, maybe 20 years. I had one that was 14 years long. 
that God answered in a way that I never expected. But it's present tense. So, it's the fact that our prayers and those answers give us a peace that passes understanding. And honestly, I can't put words to it half the time. Other than the fact that you know that God just took care of whatever it was that you've been praying about and you have a finality about it. Okay? That prayer is answered. And sometimes that answer to prayer is not, yay, I crossed the finish line. I really knew what God's will was for the situation. And yes, you're going to have those. Okay? But what oftentimes I have found is when you are praying out a matter that's of, of significant substance, oftentimes He's teaching you as the time wears on with this situation is that you need to change your prayer. That your prayer request needs to change driving toward whatever vision is that you have that you're praying about. And ultimately, are you praying that God's will be done in X matter, whatever it is, or with somebody else? There's people I'm praying for all the time, and I'm praying to see results and changes in them. But I don't know if they're praying for those same things. You know, I hope they are. I hope they see that, you know, some of the changes that they need to make. And yeah, there are people that come to mind while I'm standing here for that. But oftentimes that peace and that understanding comes in the fact that we need to redirect our prayers in a different direction. Or it is that we cross the finish line and God answers a prayer to its to its finish. So I wanted to spend as much time on it because faith like a child I think is important, especially as we transition from being kids to adults. And our lives grow more complex in the realization of sin and temptation and the pressures to survive in this lost world. And being set apart from Christ is tougher. We often lose sight of our need to become as little children when we approach the Lord. I'm telling you, as your guys' lives get more complex, it is going to get tougher. But are you going to let your flesh win out? That's the question. Are you going to let the enemy take the foothold that he might have in your life and just continue to sink your ship? It's really your call. You have that choice. So you need to pray that out. So Hebrews 4. Go ahead and go there. So now that we know that we, we have this need to be humble with this childlike faith, but does it mean that we need to cower before God in prayer and be all fearful and squeamish and, and whatnot and be scared like, like little puppies all the time? No, not at all. It may, uh, but we may have to have moments like that from time to time, depending on the type of attention that He's trying to get out of us or what we're experiencing. But for Hebrews 4.16, somebody read it. Jack. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yeah, I mean, talk about it just a completely encompassing verse. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. You can come boldly. Come boldly. Bring your requests forward. Don't be afraid to go before God with what you have. You know, I think about my kids all the time. I'm constantly telling, especially the two of them are starting to clam up, and they're not in, they're not in here today, at least the one, so I can speak a little freely. But uh, he's getting a little more quiet the older he gets, and he holds things in a little bit more. And I'm fine that I have to, you know, kind of stick a bigger wedge in there to get any information out of them. But that's what I want from them. I want them 
to be talking with us. I want them sharing what's going on in their lives. I don't want them getting into some sort of sinful situation behind our backs in the dark of night, and then something bad of it comes comes forward, and now we got to deal with a situation that could have been avoided altogether. Had he just come boldly to his parents, just as you should go boldly to your parents, I don't know how your home situations are. Maybe you can go to your parents about things. Maybe not. I'm not going to speculate. I know some of your home lives. Some of you I don't. So I know some of you can, and some of you may prefer not to go to your parents, depending on their spiritual walks. But that's what I want out of my kids. I want them to come boldly to me. So God wants us to come boldly to Him. Okay? To that throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy. I'm going to be merciful with my kids when they come to me. They're like, hey... This is what happened. This wasn't good. I need to tell you. And they might be fearful of the consequences. And half the time when they tell me something, I'm like, I usually I take that side of grace and I go, I'm glad you told me. So instead of freaking out on them and getting mad and blowing my stack, I stop and think and I'm like, I'm glad you came to me. Okay, keep talking. Lay this thing out. Let's see what we need to do. What's the next steps? Okay so that we may obtain mercy. Be merciful about that and find grace to help in time of need. Again, taking care of whatever that is. All right, so that's, you know, that's what comes, comes with that verse. It's a, it's a great verse. If you don't have it memorized, I would encourage that to be part of your memory verses. So on your sheet, come boldly, not pridefully. Know that you can come humbly and confidently before your Lord with your requests. Again, what are the results from this faithfulness? Well, from our above verses, it's blessing, peace, and in Hebrews, it's mercy and grace. So now that we know the prayer is, how our heart is to be with humble, with, with humble ear. That was a mistype. With the results of having a humble heart, we can approach God boldly. So let's get into some other notes and bolts of this prayer. So why, why do we pray? So go to 1 John 5. 1 John 5. I want to get a reader for verses 14 and 15. Jake. And this is, an, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, it, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire to Him. Okay. So we pray because He wants to hear from us and wants us to ask of Him. It should be on your sheet. It really is that simple. However... Because of this personal relationship He desires with us, sure, we can simply pray whatever we want, and that's okay. However, when you start getting, in, getting to know who your God is through His Word, these verses have something key in them, and that is verse 14, asking according to His will. Okay? So again, we can ask anything, but are we asking according to His will? You see how this starts to manifest itself as you start working working deeper in your walk with the Lord. You're just not asking willy-nilly things. You know, when you're, when you're 
starting to walk right or you know that you're in a, in a pretty good place spiritually. I mean, we're always going to have work. I think it's a rather prideful thing to step back and say, I've really arrived spiritually. I'm in a really good spiritual spot. Are you? I think that's a very dangerous thing to say, quite honestly, because our God's always working on us. You can be on the mountaintop one moment and next week you're in the valley. Read Job like that. His life was completely transformed. How are you going to deal with that? What would you do if your parents lost it all and you're in the middle of that? What would you do? How would you pray it out? It's really something to consider. I sit back, I look at um, the real estate, I look at the uh, foreclosures oftentimes. Because I'd like to do, I'd, at some point I'd like to get into real estate investment. Well, houses get foreclosed on. And houses that get foreclosed on are houses that people can no longer afford. Now, I'm basically looking to be a bottom feeder and purchase one of those houses, taking advantage of somebody else's misfortune. That's the truth of it. If you're an investor or somebody like that, somebody else couldn't afford that house. That was a house that they possibly had kids, that they were trying to do the right thing, that they were working hard, and they're trying to raise their families, and something went awry, something went amiss, and they could no longer afford their home, and the bank said, we're taking that back. And they take it back, and that family's out. What becomes of them? I don't know. But they're out. What is that family going through? What are those people going through? Any idea? I don't know. Where'd they wind up? I don't know. But that's the thing. Your life can change in an instant. Are you praying about those things? Are you praying and asking things according to His will? Did I lose my spot? So, James 4.3 says, Ye ask, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So again, you can be asking according to His will, or asking to consume it upon your lusts. Does it make sense? So thus you have the wrong motives. So you may be asking, what is His will for me? And how does that apply? How does that apply to me with prayer for me personally? It doesn't make sense right now. So here's some tips. Something that your flesh desires and has no glory for God in it to be fulfilled. Is it a sinful request or a righteous request? Just start and look at the Ten Commandments. Does your petition, does your request go against any of those? That's a baseline to look at. And any other aspects of the righteousness of God. So, verse 15, we can know that He hears us. So if we faithfully know and trust that He hears us, that means that we pray because He cares for us. Okay? 1 Peter 5.7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. So, you get in a conversation with someone, they pretend to be interested, or their body language starts to change, and their responses become different, less engaging. It's pretty easy to tell if somebody checks out in a conversation on you, right? They're just not all that interested in what you have to say anymore. They'll start looking around. They might even check their watch, or they keep checking their watch, or you know, or they got somewhere else to be other than in front of you. So, these verses... These verses tell us that our Lord cares about what we have to say. If He cares about what we have to share with them, we should also be caring about what other fellow believers are conversing with, with us about. So we should have ears to hear, not just God's Word, but each other as well. So we need that for edification and accountability. So it goes back to that verse. He careth for you, 
are we caring for each other also? Okay? And I'll just be honest. Some people suck at listening. They just do. I've been around people. They just, they're, they're bad listeners. And I found those are people I just, you know, really can't have a conversation with about something that's in-depth or something, you know, that they may even be, you know, wise in that they could actually be resourceful for. But, you know, just because they stink at listening, their advice usually can stink because they haven't heard you completely through and through. And the fix or the repair that they had in mind, you know, it just, it's not going to apply. Do they care for you? I don't know, maybe. Maybe they do just stink at listening, but they actually do care about you. You gotta use a little bit of discernment with you know, who you go to for, for counsel and also who you associate with, okay? You're gonna have better friends than other friends. Some are gonna be closer, some aren't. It's just the way it goes. Some personalities gel with others and others don't. You know, there's, there's personalities in here that are positively influential for the ministry. There's other personalities that aren't. I'll be honest with you, there was personalities in this ministry that were amongst your peer group. They're no longer in here. I was frustrated with them. Just be honest. They, they, they were a distraction in the ministry. They were not cultivating. They were divisive. They were clicky. And it honestly caused us a lot of grief as leaders because we, we could not break that. Despite the efforts that we, we, had, we would have in the one-on-one -on -one conversations and whatnot, it just wouldn't change. And it actually caused a fair amount of division in the group. It's not to say that God didn't use our group. It's not to say that there wasn't fruit in here. Again, I think God's been very protective and very, uh, very blessing of this ministry overall. Not every ministry is going to be perfect. That's first and foremost. It's never going to be that way. But we can control our fleshly actions. And there was a lot of that in here. And that, that would honestly cause some frustration. And I needed to pray that out myself. Those were troubles that I had. I had to cast those cares upon the Lord. Because that's not a right... It's, I mean, you're going to get frustrated. It's just you're, you're a person. You're going to have that. But as a leader, I have to watch. I have to guard my heart with it. All of us do as leaders in here. It's a must. We have to be praying about that. Use some strong personalities in here. And those strong personalities... We, we have to mend a little more. I'm sensitive. I know. <laughs> All the time. All right. So I want somebody to take, uh, go, to Matthew's, go to Matthew 6. So this is all something to think about. Matthew 6. So what prayer is not what prayer is not any of you come from a catholic church did any of you used to go to a catholic church i used to go there did you ever do grace before a meal always bless us our lord for these are gifts amen yep every meal catholic household with the sign of the cross yep yep every time so how heartfelt was that? Repetition. It's repetition. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 7. Somebody, 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 somebody read it. <whistles> Megan, my wife. Lucky. 
Huh? When ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Heathens! That's strong! Man, that's strong in the Bible. He straight up says it as the heathens do. Vain repetitions? Repetitions. <laughs> I'm going to do the rest of this here message with the southern accent. How about that? I'm not. <laughs> Please don't. Me no, it, it's that's strong. And you think about it, there's an entire religion, just one of them, that's, their prayer life is kind of based on that. The rosary. The Lord's Prayer every Mass. We're going to hit that. Yeah. Repetitious prayer, and they think they're okay. People put on this form of godliness, and it's not right. That is not a relationship with God. And I was in that for years. I will give it this credit, though. I was at least introduced to the Trinity. I was at least introduced to, to God, to Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. But short of that, the doctrine of the Catholic Church is a cesspool. It's a cesspool of confusion. And this verse straightens that out in one simple shot through and through. And if you haven't figured it out yet, a lot of this stuff is coming out of your discipleship book if you've been discipled yet. So, vain means empty or worthless. This is a strong verse. It's a few words, but it, it's a sucker punch. Alright? So I was caught up in all that, being godly and good with the man upstairs because I was saying the prayers. A lot of people are in that. They think they're okay. False doctrine of that church and other religious groups. First, 2 Timothy 3.5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. That flows into the, the just say this prayer group. And just say this prayer, we believe you got saved. I went back, I mentioned last Sunday that I went back through my old prayer journals when I was in high school. I wrote that out. I wrote out to get saved in high school. But I wrote it out repetitively, repetitively, repetitively. And when I went back and read, it's absolute garbage. Even though I wrote it out and it was a prayer and I was praying to God, I wasn't praying out of my heart. It wasn't out of my heart when I look back on it. It was just vain, repetitious words. And that's it. And I look back on that and I, and I know it. And it's a milestone. And I'm thankful that I can look at that now and go, man, now I know that I'm factually saved from the Word of God. Okay? So the other biggie here is, is Luke 11, 1 through 5, and that is the Lord's Prayer. So we covered vain, vain repetition in Matthew 6, 5. I have Matthew 6, 7, or... Was it Matthew? Yeah, Matthew. Uh, we read 6, 7. What about 6-5? That's your next point. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't, get, I didn't quite get there yet. All right, I had some other stuff. See, other, the other, I should have made this a bullet point on your, on your um, sheet, but that's okay. So Luke 11, 1 through 5, if I don't have that in there, you might want to mark it. I think I might have it in parentheses. And uh, that is the Lord's Prayer, just like Andy alluded to. And that, uh, you know, the more you're familiar with it in the Christian church, like they even do this on, on, on the fish. They they have that like six every like six A and six P, yeah. They always have like a guest pastor that does the Lord's prayer and pray with us. That and again through discipleship, if you haven't learned it yet, he, the disciples ask, teach us how to pray. That's teaching you how to pray, not what to say. Does it say what to say? 
No, it doesn't. I'm so glad that God showed me the truth and got me away from, from that. This book is the truth. Man, if you're not absorbing it, you got to be. It doesn't mean that you've got to be some super spiritual wizard. Like my wife. She's a super spiritual wizard with God's Word. She She's a walking encyclopedia. It's amazing. She is. She'll, she won't say it. Yeah. I got an A minus. <laughs> Listen, in all seriousness, you don't have to be a spiritual wizard with this stuff. Does it help to know exactly what is what the address is of the verses that you believe and have committed to your heart? Yeah. Then honestly, we should. I'm guilty of not doing that. I want to be better at that. I'm jealous of my wife for being that stinking smart, to be honest. Know what you stand on. Know what you believe. Know why you believe it. Because this trash is out there in the world left and right, and people think they're okay. They're not okay. I was not okay. You could have came up to me and witnessed with me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Want a beer? Hey, you got a smoke? I'm out. Does me. Didn't care. Probably throw an F-bomb or two in there while I was talking with you. Because I wouldn't have cared about that either. God convicted me of all that to clean it all up. Okay, Matthew 6, 5. Somebody want to take it? Benny. And when thou prayest, thou, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Again, these, these two verses, they just nail it. Heathens and hypocrites. Okay, And sadly, there are people out there that are heady, they're high-minded, they're arrogant, they're proud, who think they are so spiritual, man, they're on this next level. And they, they perform, it's, just, it's disgusting. And they do it to get attention from people. Don't miss that. I think like Benny Hinn and all those jokers on TBN, these guys that get on TV and they got this big platform. Those guys' egos are bigger than their rear ends. It's disgusting. I'll just be honest. Some of the memes out there are actually kind of funny about those guys making fun of them. But at the end of the day, it's dangerous because they're also leading people in false doctrines. So, you know, there's humor, but there's not humor. And those are the people I think of. He's standing up there in that stupid $3,000 white suit. Like he's pure. He ain't pure. You're a sinner. Get on your knees. Especially if you're a pastor. Sorry, rant, but... That's not humble. That's high-mindedness. And these guys want to be seen. And I have met people that are like that. There's one person that comes to mind that I knew personally in my recollection. They always had some sort of spiritual application like everything. I'm talking, they could have been waxing their car and they would have tried to find some spiritual application and say something spiritual. I'm just like, you're waxing your car, man. Whose phone's going off? Silence your phones now. Is it your iPad? It shouldn't be mine, no. It's not mine. Either way. We'll work through it. It's better than the fly that I had on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this heady high-mindedness, these people are out there. You don't want to get like that. And, again, that goes back to having strong personalities. Certain personalities, you get fleshly like that, and you get big. You know, guys that are senior pastors that get on these higher levels, Those are that's where it really comes in. I ran into the... Uh, 
you know, the pastor's club a number of years ago where you try, I tried talking with some of those guys and they let me know that I wasn't part of the, part of the club. Oh, it's his computer he left sitting here. Should he be getting invited in these chat rooms? Thanks, Andy. Be, be nice. Give Cam a break. And pick on him later. I will. All right, let's keep, you can just turn his volume down. Here. Oh, it's wrong. Right oh, there. That's a bad one. There. Okay, He's good. Cool. All right. So, let's keep moving along here. I want to get this knocked out so we can get on. We're almost finished. So we can get into some small groups here. We're doing pretty good on time. So, when should we pray? When should we pray? Anybody have any questions at this point? I normally don't ask questions, but I, if any of you are confused or something isn't jiving, anybody got anything? Now's your chance. Okay. So when should we pray? Our Heavenly Father's door is always open. Always open. Does anybody know 1 Thessalonians 5.17 by memory? What is it? Yeah, I thought it was the prayer without ceasing. Yes, that's it. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, little victories in memory verses. Yes, word for word. Three of them, pray without ceasing. Second verse. Yeah, Jesus wept Jesus was the other one. Where is it? Jesus wept? It's in the Bible, you idiot. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know the address. What is it, since you know? I never, I never said I knew. Well, dude, you're questioning me like, oh. I think it's see, heady high-mindedness, Garrett. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Is it? John okay. See, there you go. Good job. Wallace, you got any questions? Okay, I just want to call you Wallace because I haven't called you Wallace since camp. Yes, Wallace. I love it. I couldn't help because his last name's Wallach, and I was, I just told him, I was like, dude, your name's Wallace all week. I was like, I, I can't call you. I was like, I don't remember your real name, so you're Wallace. So Jaden Wall, Jaden Wallace Wallach. All right, I'm way off here. Let's get this done. When should we pray? So pray without ceasing. That's pretty simple. Take all the things that we have covered in this lesson, all the bullet points that are further up in your lesson sheet. And it gets back to this hard attitude and where you're at in your walk. If your mind is where it's at, you will pray without ceasing. You're not going to want, you will, you will be able to control your carnal thoughts. You'll be able to control your lusts better. You won't be as, as prone to temptation. You won't be as prone to falling into that temptation. Sin is your choice. It always is. If you are faced with a sinful choice, it is always yours for the nobody's sitting, well, at least our, our God who's not a tempter. The Bible's clear about that. You're not being tempted to do any of that. Yes? Matthew 26, 41. Can I quote it? Go. It goes right with it. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There you go. And if you're praying without ceasing, that is going to tremendously help you. Does this stuff all make sense? Yes. Does it understand how you can build yourself up? You build your walk with God up through your prayer life and how much you are or aren't praying and how much you are reading and not reading. That's why I said this is the second biggest piece in your walk. And it's up to us how, how we want it to be. 
it's really that's it really is that simple but we muddy it up and complicate it so this goes back to having that heart of a child like faith and prayer so if you have a mind and heart for prayer to pray in your own mind and thoughts throughout the day this keeps your mind from drifting into those temptations that I just talked about a ceaseless prayer mindset and heart attitude will no doubt fulfill the second part of Philippians 4 7 that we just looked at and that is it keeps your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus for you personally daily it really will that verse 7 will, will live itself out you'll live that verse out you really will so in conclusion as this ministry is concerned our effectual fervent prayer needs more time and attention in James 5 16 it says confess your faults one to another and pray and pray for pray one for another that ye may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and that can be us in this ministry we get down to it so corporately and individually let's be vulnerable towards one another okay put the pride aside Find some, find some friends. Make some, you can make some of the greatest friendships in here right now that you'll take out of here that could be lifetime because a lot of the fools that you go to school with, you're never going to see them again. We always say that, and it's funny because we always get these seniors that come back six months, 12 months, 24 months later. Man, you guys were right. <laughs> I wonder why. I just stare at them. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, let's see. All your leaders have been in here for, uh, what, a minimum of six years or longer? Six, eight, however long. Well, you guys have been in the ministry. Okay, yeah, you guys are kind of exempt. Less than one year. But nonetheless. So went to high school. What's that? And you also went to high school. Yeah, I did. I made it through it, too. Barely, but I did. Truth. So... So anyway, to get back into this, so being vulnerable towards one another, it should grow us deeper in our bonds that we pray for one another. And they actually care that we actually care and love on one another, not saying again that we don't in here, but we can definitely go deeper. And lastly, make our prayers fervent. That fervent prayer, that depth, you're praying with that fervency, with passion, meaning that we pray and we we, we what we're praying, we're meaning what we're praying. Let that righteousness in God be, let's be righteous in God about these things according to His Word. These actions will grow us as a ministry. They're going to grow you personally. They're going to grow us as a group. Most of you are here because someone from this church loved on you, or they loved on your parents, or something. They saw that something was different. Okay? That's why you're here. I've talked with other students that are, have been newer that have come, and, I've asked, and they flat out said, they're like, your, your youth group is way different. And I honestly wouldn't know because I haven't been in any other youth groups. You know, but that's what I always hear is people that come from other churches, they, they always say how different our group is. So that's a big testimony. That's good stuff. We need to keep that up. All right? So... You're here because of something that happened with your parents or yourself. Somebody loved on you. And it's that personal relationship with God ultimately that brought it here. So the question is, especially if you're newer folks, you fence riders that are playing with the flesh and the spirit, will you embrace these verses? Will you embrace what we've taught here and grow your relationship with Christ in order to help deepen yourself? 
So your actions, starting with your prayer life, will deepen this ministry, okay, through and through. So we've got, what, about 10 minutes? So I'm going to ask that we expedite. I mean, if we run a little bit over, we'll run a little bit over. But I'm going to ask our leaders also, I want you guys to get in some groups. I'm actually debating if I should number you off because then you'll be with people who you're not necessarily familiar with. So what do we got here? We got 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16. So we got 16. What is it? 16 divided by 4. Do fours. So we can do fours. And then we got enough leaders. All right. So one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. If you're ones up there, twos, threes, fours, leaders will each take a group. And just go, just go around, share what's worth praying. And hey, real quick, real quick. I want you guys to keep this focused on prayer. This is not a social activity. So share your requests and take your time to pray. Don't be sitting there yet. Because, I mean, honestly, when the leaders are exempt themselves, we're bad about going and talking on our own. So we're going to not do that this time. So grab a group, share your requests, and go ahead and pray. 